0: You're listening to Very Loose Women. Just walked up the stairs, so now I feel really tired. I woke up very anxious. I have issues with going to sleep um, psychologically because of physical symptoms. Yeah, my breathing was all right, but going up the stairs now, I'm really tired. My name's Monique Jackson reason I think we're talking today is because of my illness from a suspected infection of COVID-19. Suspected being a word that's part of my story. Before all of this, I was a hyperactive person who liked to spend my time working in an art gallery and drawing, doing some kickboxing, cycling and daydreaming. So anyway what happened to me 16th of March is when I first presented with an illness. It's hard to say when exactly I got ill and it's four months later plus, because we're in July and I'm still unwell. When it came about, it was before lockdown. I worked for two weeks straight. It had been a really full-on fortnight at work. Peak of my career, managed to get an exhibition installed, uh, repaint job over the weekend got some tapestries up and some sculptures bronze sculptures packed away i was really stoked we'd gone to apple the day before it closed down to buy like a lot of laptops for um directors to work from home and i was really tired so tired on my like last day of work i called a friend that i've never spoken to on the phone and i said to her i feel like this is a really big this is a momentous time. Over the weekend I saw my dad to collect a stockpile of food and I went to see some friends and I met a friend of mine and we took a train ride together and then we walked from New Cross to Peckham. That friend that I met has been ill with the same symptoms that I have now. slightly Some slight differences. The group of friends that we met, none of them have been ill. Like in that small window of time that I met my friend, pretty sure that it was that train ride or some drinks that we bought that maybe we came into contact with the contagious disease of some kind i presented with like flu-like symptoms so but different like pinch in the chest fatigue sweaty shivery pasty and then headache across the front of my head hoping it would be 14 days of jungle like whatever the hell that is flu and then just hoping a month later i'd be out of the woods not the case for me. Second week was when I had the breathing changes. Uh, it's like trying to breathe through a plastic bag with some holes popped in it. Asthma, like, called an ambulance. My housemates were all self-isolating as a house. They broke the self-isolation rule to like be around me when I was waiting for the ambulance to, that took a couple of hours. They took my like, my oxygen, bloods, ECG, all normal. So they said I was having a panic attack. The paramedics took me into hospital because I said I wasn't sleeping because of the breathing differences, and they gave me some drowsy antihistamine to push me into sleep. And they told me, "We only have oxygen for you here. There's nothing here. There's no treatment." It was kind of scary because obviously A and E was like really empty at that time. Like A and E is never empty in London, so it was the beginning of the upside down, the new normal. Do you know what I mean? Since then, to summarise, like, it became clear the illness isn't a respiratory one for me. It's been something that's gone to the stomach after a month, gastrointestinal issues. I take omeprazole to, like, I had to restrict my diet because it was, like, having acid. Even water was causing, like, acid, like, reflux and, like, pain in my chest. Having lower abdomen pain, it felt like bladder and kidney pain around the front, around the back, had that for six weeks. Four courses of antibiotics for a UTI that was, after finishing them, they said, oh yeah, it probably wasn't a UTI. I'll start telling the symptoms and then often it goes on for so long people don't want to hear it all, do you know what I mean? Like, for instance, yeah, this like UTI, like it's key because... You know, every time I was go in, people go, it's secondary infection, or it's your body's run down, so you have X, Y, and Z. But then, like, you take the medication, they don't know. Like, but they're very like, just take these and go. So it was like, just take it and leave. After taking the fourth like antibiotic, it was still there, the pain. And then I had ultrasound done, but because I had massive delays, I had to chase up my GP to resend. It's just ridiculous admin. You know you just want to hand it over to the gps and let them handle it but you realize like the infrastructure is just not there and i've had to really push and like to be honest i've realized there have been some key bits of medication that i've been given that have helped me significantly um but it's few and far between and but it's because of those key bits of medication that i know it is worth pushing because if i didn't have those couple of bits of meds I would actually health-wise be in a lot worse situation. So that's why it's hard to know when you've had things like tinnitus, conjunctivitis, like a sty, like neck pain glands. There's lots of things like this weird rash on the top of my foot. It's hard to know what is just, you can just deal with without calling the GPs and what is like, what is gonna get worse? It's really hard to know. We're in like a state of emergency. Um, All like referrals and stuff are on ice. And I remember describing some things like waking up in the middle of the night with chest pain that was like really acute chest pain in the left side of my chest. And my heart was like pounding and I've done a lot of cardio in my life. So I've done 12 rounds of boxing. I know what it's like to have your heart pound. It's very unpleasant, but I've coped with it. But when you wake up from rest and it's like, it's like, I've had the pain, I called the doctor, like, I think I'm having a heart attack. But that's another thing, calling 111, I could write a whole stand-up comedy routine about calling 111. <laughs> There's, like, this sort of Star Trek, like, big voice that comes in, like... This is a pandemic. During the pandemic, stay at home. Before you can even get to the buttons of which number to call... And if you're not concentrating and you don't press the right button, the call just ends. So you have to start the process all over again. At the beginning of lockdown, you had to wait about, I had to wait about four hours from beginning to make a call of 111 to then have like a medical person call you back. So you knew that it wasn't going to be instant, which meant that because you're like, I know this isn't going to be quick you're like well I better call them just in case because by the time it might get worse I might actually have some medical help which isn't a conducive way to like behave so misunderstandings misinformation one is about getting better (laughs) the amount of times I've been told to get better it's almost aggressive get better soon or else get better Ill people stay inside. Ill people don't leave the house. The well are outside. That you can't... That that you can see pain. That's another misinformation. That if you laugh, you're not in pain. That if you look well, you're fine. That it's known how long this virus lasts in you. That That the tests work. That the numbers reflect reality. These are all... 'Cause when I went into A and E, like, you know, as I said, can I be tested please? No, we're not testing the public. I've only just had my antibodies test done. It was negative. So that's why I said I'm I'm ill, but I can't even the only narrative I had was okay, you got ill during a pandemic, so you're ill from COVID. Am I? but because I don't, I wasn't tested at the beginning and my antibodies are negative and I've been tested four months deep anyway. So there's no proof. They can just say, look, a lot of people are presenting with what you've got. So let's make an educated guess. Also, they talk about a second wave. I got ill in the second wave. Waves are like, obviously like visual fudder for um, the media. You know what a wave is? When you look at water, it's up and down, isn't it? Like, So for me, I think about it like waves don't just stop. Like, so mm. we're going to have more waves, do you know what I mean? Like, For me, I also visualised it as a wave as in, in March or, no, it was February, February, I think I worked for an art gallery and um, Hong Kong, Basel got cancelled. And for that to get cancelled, that's unprecedented because that was like the emerging art market, the fair for art. Like, so when that got cancelled, I was thinking, oh my God, this shit's about to go down. I remember being in Ikea three weeks before I got ill and I listened to a podcast from the New York Times about coronavirus because I was like, how bad can it get? And I listened to this podcast in Ikea with all these people around me. And I was like, all of this is going to close, all of this. And I was looking how close everyone was. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was having like a panic attack in like this Ikea. So I was like picking up bits and pieces, like the very stand that my computer on and my mouse mat I bought in that Ikea when I was hearing about this. And they gave statistics about how many people are going to be affected by it. And I was like, shit, 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 shit. And then after hearing that, I just, it was like, you know when you're in the sea and you can see that wave coming and you have to work out, are you gonna swim under or are you gonna jump? But sometimes the wave is too tall. So if you jump, it's gonna slap you back anyway. And you can't reason with it because it's just come in. And when I got ill, it was like, boom, the wave hit me and it was in my body. It was in me. Like, and that's the only way I can describe it, is I saw it come in. Uh, I was too far away from the shore to, like, run away. And then I could just feel it, and now it's in me, do you know what I mean? So how I'm doing now, not great. (laughs) Like, but I'm grateful to be alive, and I need to remember that I can talk to you. You've got to get yourself up in the morning and, like... There's not enough in the media for people who are ill with this. The media is obviously towards people who are well, do you know what I mean? So if you are ill, it is hard, it is a struggle. Like I'm actually scared of listening to other people who are ill because I'm scared of the symptoms that they say that I'm gonna get. It's happening to me, it's happening to loads of other people as well. So that's another important thing about visibility people will go i recovered from covid why are you still ill you're making it up at the gym that i went to mind and body put on one hand mind the other body put them together into the prayer position under your chin and become one and that was like a little thing that you do before starting a spa session because it's just to remind yourself about the unity of being a human Physical stress manifests, um, but also I'm aware that being able to have comforts like distractions for your mind and like comforting yourself with having contact from friends, having some television, using the senses like I've got a diffuser by my bed, like lavender and sage oil in the diffuser at the beginning it was food and because my diet's had to change finding what foods can comfort you mixing the diet when you've got a restricted diet is key because i was cooking the same food over and over because i just could, i was I had low energy that that leads to depression i think because you have the same food day in day out especially because of financial issues if you can't eat certain things you're just grateful to eat food that doesn't make you feel sick so the last thing you're thinking of initially is like how am I gonna you know zhuzh this food up um, to keep me um excited but actually that's it's really important because if you don't zhuzh up and sex up your food guess what happens you stop eating and as it's documented weight loss is a part of this illness as well so along with appetite it's very hard to distinguish what is sometimes in the mind and in the body and they are like one in the same This is a time where my friends who've had things like Crohn's disease and um, people who've got asthma those and diabetes those people and people who've even had been like to prison those are the ones who turn to me and go this is your survival techniques those are the people who have been like these are lessons in resilience this is how you can get through this and the people to me who are like cycling and running around fantastic That's great, but actually we need to look to the people who are already battling diseases for um, tips on how to be strong, who aren't able to move around. That's been the biggest lessons for me. Before I had such this like fascist body idea, which is like, if your body's not well, you're dead or you're like healthy or or you put your body in the bin. And I didn't apply that to other people. I just didn't realize I applied it to me. And obviously now I'm not well, and the depression and anxiety comes where I'm like, well, you know, because I'm not 100%, then I don't want to get out of bed because everything's rubbish and it's I'm never going to be the same again. And you realise actually a lot can be achieved by people who are not well, do you know what I mean? And like, there are some really good tips for dealing with stuff. First of all, like big up the NHS, like having family in the States, like, you know, to be able to call a free number and speak to a medical professional when you're isolating at home, you know, waiting to hear from 111, getting a call back, like it's incredible service. Like going into hospital was on the advice of 111, also being taken in by an ambulance occasionally. It's been always day visits. As much as I um, can't emphasise enough respect to everyone that works in the NHS and how they handled this, it's really up to individuals who you see. Like for instance, I've come in because I've had like issues with the right side of my face and nerve sensations. I wanted an examination and I had like an older male doctor. Uh, identity is um, unfortunately something that I've noticed plays a role in the treatment. I don't know if it's me being a woman and having older like guy doctors, the period of time that I'd be seen to would be very short. Not always the case, but sometimes, and I was really frustrated. So my friend who works in the NHS said to me, look, go back and you're, you're entitled to ask for a woman. So I did that and I had to wait longer, but then as soon as I'd been seen by, seen by a dark-skinned woman actually, um, like and I'm mixed-race myself, um, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it was the longest I'd ever been examined and then the most thoroughly. And in comparison to when I went in the previous time for the same problem, the doctor only gave me five minutes. And in comparison to, a, you know, like a 15 to 20 minute examination, blood tests and CT. So it it, it shows, you it is a bit like um, luck of the draw, who you speak to is chance really. I, the amount of times I called 111 and they said, you don't have corona. You don't have corona, you can go through someone else. Because they said, do you have a persistent cough? Do you have a fever? And in the first five days, I was like, no, I don't have a fever and I don't have persistent cough. And they're like, we well, don't have it. Cool. Wicked. Never had a persistent cough, by the way. It, I, and at that time, thermometers had sold out in Hackney. <laughs> so I couldn't get people to buy me one. Orders on Amazon were taking like two weeks to arrive. So, I, I mean, I was in my cold room in March in like my pants and a vest, but I don't know if I had a fever or not. There's a lot of ephemera that you have when you're ill. Like the ephemera that I have seems to be around body temperatures. So I've got like my hot water bottle, like mugs of tea. I was on the lemon and ginger until I couldn't have lemon anymore because it upsets my stomach. And then um I've got my C B D oil and I've got my thermometer and just and I've got like, you know, a little inhaler thing. These are not what doctors by the way, they're just things. I'm not pretending anyone else to get these things, they're just things, you know. I feel like I'm handcuffed to someone who keeps trying to jump into a river, like with my body. It feels like I'll be living my day and then something happens in my body which I have no reference for. And it's like, what the hell is happening? It completely derails what I was supposed to do. Like I was, I hoovered last week for five minutes and then since then my breathing's been crap ever since. At the moment, after the relapse from hoovering, (laughs) where um, breathing for whatever reason has just been laboured at rest, like it seems to be a bit better today, but after, you remember at the start of this I'd just gone up the stairs And I was, do you remember how I was when I just, I was like, I'm tired? (laughs) Yeah. And now I seem all right, don't I? It seems to be after certain kinds of exertion that it's like, difficult. From going into hospital, the queuing, that's the thing where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they've eased lockdown with pubs. And it's like, queuing into Homerton Hospital is like getting into Bergheim. That's a uh, fancy nightclub where you have to queue for a long time in Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) You have to queue because of the social distance and then they stick a thermometer in your ear to check if you've got a fever. Do you know what I mean? You expect them to say, like, dress code and entry is, like, 20 quid. And they've got security on the door and I've seen people get taken out. there's one poor person with behavioral needs and they were screaming in A&E and i obviously cuz it was like 5am when i was there i obviously was like getting really stressed hearing this person scream but then when the security took that person out i was thinking it's really messed up because the security person i'm sure had reasons for taking this person out because they were stressing out very sick people But let's just say I end up having neurological issues where I can't stop my screaming. And I've had to go to A&E by myself every time. And what if there are more, the the queue gets bigger on the door? I almost missed my ultrasound appointment because I didn't realise there was a queue for like 20 minutes to get into the hospital. You just think if this crisis gets worse, is it only the people who can be quiet that get seen? Monique shares her experiences of living post-Covid through an online comic on Instagram. You can find it at underscore Corona Diary. I have been writing and drawing the Corona Diary since mid-July and it came about when I had a relapse in my breathing and I was pretty much in bed for quite a few days. Uh, I got an iPad because... I realised that if I was painting, just couldn't, can't do that in your bed, it's messy and gross. And um, I was had another idea for a project, um, but I couldn't sort of work out the software, a way of drawing. So I just was loosening up by just drawing what's around me. And um, I was able just to sort of bosh out some drawings of me and my bed and then the little still life with some paracetamol and cbd oil and then i just sort of straight away this is it maybe this is all i need to do is just upload observations and um, then i decided to in a loose chronological order tell my story since getting ill and accessing medical care and things like that um, i'm just trying to make it relatable because i know how overwhelming it is to understand this sort of absolute crisis uh, uh, and it's depressing. And I just thought colourful comics, it kind of entertains me. Maybe it'll entertain other people too. The main aims of the comic is to get a petition sign, which is um, currently around just under 7,000 signatures for frontline workers to get um, adequate WHO guideline PPE, which I think is different to the UK. Secondly, it's to just raise the visibility of the illness, that there are people like me who are unwell, and that it's been like, it's a long term thing. And then lastly, is also to raise sort of um, demand public funding for mental health services. It's something that's helped me a lot. And I think that it's been overlooked in the past and I think it's important now more than ever that there are the means to support people. Thanks so much to Monique for taking the time to speak to me. I'm Leo, I edited this episode. Music and sound effects were either by me or from zapsplat.com. Our next episode of Very Loose Women will be our last on Resonance 104.4 FM, but expect sporadic episodes through our podcast feed in the future. Thanks for tuning in.